speaking about hair, <laughs> uh, that is something that I do talk about in my work a lot. I have a piece of mine on my website called Forest Bias that's like specifically about hair. It's a homage to my mom. It's supposed to be my mom doing my hair. But like thinking about experiences in the black community that are like almost ritual and the experience of sitting down on a pillow in my mom's lap and her doing my hair, braiding my hair, pressing my hair, perming my hair. That's another conversation. But um, she's mixed race. And so it's also like this issue of like colorism, the preference of like hair that's more tied to like whiteness. So like finer, silkier, smooth hair is preferred over woolly hair. So those are a lot of things that I also dab in my work too. Welcome to Hello Atelier. I'm your host, Betsy Blodgett, and with me is producer Jonathan Getz. Hello. You know, normally we talk to guests who have been working in the creative world for years, if not decades. But today's episode features Glenisha Johnson, who is just starting her career as an artist. Not that you would know that when admiring her work or speaking with her. Or, for that matter, when looking at her resume. Along with a recent high-profile show, she's also had one of her pieces acquired by a museum. That seems like a quick ascent. Regardless, Glenisha stays humble by sharing the impact that her teachers have had on her, from encouraging her when she was just dabbling in art class to helping develop her style in college. Did you ever have a teacher who had a big impact on you? Mrs. Casson's typing class sophomore year in high school. Though more utilitarian than creative, it really was helpful for, you know, life. It's quaint to think back on it, as I'm sure typing classes have been phased out in many schools. I bet it's all texting classes now. My fat thumbs could use some lessons in texting finesse for sure, but seriously, practicing on those tiered typewriters builds dexterity. Sometimes I can still hear Mrs. Cassens chiding me for resting my palms on the desk. Palms up! How about you? Oh, sure. I still have a flat pattern drafting book that my high school home ec teacher encouraged me to study when she learned I was going into fashion merchandising. And yes, I was only supposed to borrow it, and yes, I forgot to give it back to her. Sorry, Mrs. Rakes. If you hear this, send me your address and I'll return it. You've had that book all this time? I'm surprised they didn't withhold your diploma. I should really get it back to her. In the meantime, let's get back to Glenisha and her story. It all starts, appropriately, in school. I went to a really good school in middle school and I had a really great art teacher named Mr. Hunter, this really short five foot guy from Scotland. But like he really pushed me and I stayed after school and um, in seventh grade I was making like really nice portraits of celebrities and The next year, I had another great art teacher who ended up marrying Mr. Hunter. But, like, they really kind of pushed me, and uh, they saw my talent and helped me develop new work. For high school, it's funny, my background, because for my freshman and sophomore year, I went to a law magnet high school. And for my junior and senior year, I went to an arts magnet high school. So I also have like this very strong history of speech and debate. KCAI is a primarily white school. And freshman year, there were 38 black people at the whole school. 
I got into the painting department sophomore year. And so we started having these conversations about our work. Long conversations, we would actually have 45-minute critiques. It was like we would talk about my work and we would talk about the formal aspects, color, shape, but would never talk about like what the work was about in the black experience. And it was more so, I think, my peers and classmates not feeling confident or feeling like that they would say the wrong thing in the terms of like seeing nuances in my work that specifically relate to the black experience whereas like if I had someone black in my class I think they would have you know been able to relate with me in some ways I remember that I made this piece called Grandma's Hands, which is like a really popular black song. The whole piece was about this song, but I'm like, I know ain't none of y'all heard this song before. (laughs) And so it was just kind of situations like that where you put so much into the work, but, you know, they don't see it. So that was kind of hard. Kind of being away from Dallas, coming here to Kansas City, it was really a cultural shock. And I learned like that this is a city that's super segregated. I started making this work about missing home, which is like why I started making these spaces that remind me of home and remind me of the South and look like the South. Um, So I guess like it was an effort to return back to what I was missing. The spaces that Glenisha creates in her collage work are bright and bold, a riot of color. Like a great book might only fully reveal itself after several readings, the layers of collage materials render some of her design elements so subtle that you might miss them on first glance. This delicate layering of texture and detail invites you back to see and learn something new each time. I think about collage as a metaphor to describe black culture. So in the same way black culture is torn apart, pieced back together, changed with new generations, um, destroyed with colonialism, displaced, I like take on that same language with these papers that I hand paint myself. Sometimes the methods of mark making also deal with the work conceptually so most of my spaces are interiors domestic interiors of black spaces black homes so I might be getting a broom and putting ink on it and brushing it across the paper to get a mark or I may put a lot of gel black gel brown gel in my hair to do a print and to talk about like textures and tones and to separate these spaces by planes of different marks. Being from the South, I really thought about staples of black homes such as the front porch and kind of how people spend uh, their whole days on in that space. Like literally wake up in the morning, go outside and don't go back in until night. And the reason I was like so kind of gravitating towards that space was I was looking through photographs of my grandma's and she had all these photographs of like important moments where we took pictures in on her front porch. First days of school, Easter. I also have like this really funny photograph where I'm eating a bag of popcorn with shorts that are way too small. But just like how 
life can like happen in this one space also in the collages are these objects that directly relate to the spaces of places that I call home furniture and decorative items that have been passed down to me from my mom given to her from my grandmother I'm definitely thinking about community in relation to the black community With the front porch, I also look at film stills from popular black iconic films. So I've made like a collage from Boys in the Hood, Friday, this one right here I'm working on from Do the Right Thing. In these movies, a lot of the footage is on the front porch. Community comes into play in that aspect where the front porch is kind of like a conversation setting. It's hard to overestimate the value of a good teacher who can push you to new levels. And while it can be helpful to have a mentor to call on, Glenisha is able to look up to her artistic mentors from a distance. The collage work really started with this project that I had at KCAI in Jonah Criswell's class. I took an elective called Ecstatic Drawing. And in this elective, we had to redo an artist book, all of the images in the book. And I chose Romir Bearden as my artist, but I recreated about maybe 150 of his pieces through different materials, watercolor, collage. And that's when I started to think about collage like as a metaphor to describe black culture in the way he was talking about like a really specific time period. Also looking at a lot of Carrie James Marshall, his interiors, black and white interiors. And during this time, I almost started to look at these men as father figures and replicating their work, appropriating their work and thinking about it in terms of my own work, looking at them as teachers, um, pedagogical teachers. My dad was incarcerated most of my life. I was one years old when he went to prison and he didn't get out of prison until my sophomore year of college. So at the same time he got out of prison, I started this series. Now I'm looking at a lot of Carrie Mae Weems, um, kind of like as a mother figure. She has this kitchen table series that I have a work named after. She's also looking at a lot of interior spaces. The kitchen table series is a series of photographs at her kitchen table. But it's a lot of different scenarios within the same space. As an outsider to the art world, I'd guess getting your work into museums would be a major achievement as an artist. Maybe even the ultimate achievement. But Glenisha, who creates her work as an expression of the Black experience, is wary of where her art will end up. Her goal is less about getting her work in museums and more about getting it in a space that will represent her story and her culture. Kerry James Marshall, he talks a lot about making his work for the sake of putting Black work in museum settings, settings that exclude us. I guess that's the best way to put it. I'm kind of like a little cautious of that because I, I'm not interested in assimilating in a white space. Um, I'm interested in making spaces for myself and 
black people, I think we have our own spaces and I think we have our own experiences. The Jay-Z and Beyonce album just came out. All of the videos are done at the Louvre and the album cover is a black woman doing a black man's hair in the Louvre right in front of the Mona Lisa and it's blurred out. And me and my partner have talked about it and just wondered why did they decide to go to like a white space to do that? Why not, you know, make our own space full of black art? I'm definitely someone who's thinking specifically about like where I'm putting my work and what spaces I'm putting my work into because uh, my work also like begs to be close to it and up and personal. I would want my work to be in a space that can serve what it needs. But also, do you really want my work for me or do you want my work for what it represents? That's something important to me when someone asks me to participate in something, not only just asking for my work, but just, you know, if someone wants me to be in a place, do you want me for me or do you want me for what I represent? The piece that they acquired was a piece called The Help. It's this red figure kind of in this domestic space, but she she looks like she's serving the space. She looks like a, a servant, a cleaner. I'm glad that the Nerman acquired that piece to represent like me and my body of work. I'm wondering when they're going to put it on view. <laughs> I'm more concerned about like what are they going to put it around because I think it's more important than to just put a work up that you acquire from a black artist um it's more important to like put it around other black artists i think they should acquire more black work or like more diverse work and just make a show about it but i also think about like how it's in to be black right now and the issue of like tokenizing I mean, it's it's just a push and pull. You you just have to stay aware of um, the situation and the aspect of like capitalism in relation to the art world too. But I'm happy that they acquired the work and um, that more people will see work like that in that contemporary space. As a resident of the Charlotte Street Studio an organization that provides free studio and rehearsal spaces to Kansas City artists, Glenisha creates in a relatively social setting. Walking to her space, we passed open cubicles full of artist detritus, works in progress, and finished canvases. Though the open studio was quiet during our visit, with only the occasional glimpse of an artist striding through with an armful of unwieldy materials, I asked Glenisha if she enjoyed working in such a public environment. I do like working in an open space. I like talking to people. So I think like kind of these super diverse opportunities, it really helps kind of drive your practice because you're thinking about other things. You're not thinking about just yourself. You know, people come in and have conversations with you regularly and point out things that you may not have been thinking about or that you didn't see in your work. And collaborations are always made in spaces like this. 
Sherry, Purpose Hall, and Jessica Ayla, they are Charlotte Street Foundation residents. And I collaborated with them for the Writer's Play show. You know, that wouldn't have happened had I been by myself. And that was a really great experience that really kind of jump-started my career this year. We were brainstorming, me and Ann Gatchett, the director of the Writer's Place, about how that would look, how that would manifest itself. So Anne, she chose, I believe it was seven pieces of mine, seven collages, and we chose seven really specific poets to write response poems to the pieces. And then I made three new works in response to the poems. One of the poems that was my favorite was called Turn Tables by Sherry Purpose Hall. She wrote it in response to this collage of my living room. She kind of structured it in this aspect of thinking about the black experience with your grandmother's home. So like in in the poem, she references Medea a lot. Like Medea kept pillows fluffed blood wiped up just a lot of like poignant lines but thinking about like how in these domestic spaces like especially black spaces the pool of like public and private and the need to kind of represent the same term of double consciousness with W.E. Du Bois presenting a space for others and having a space to yourself. Before we interview a guest for this podcast, I go into full research mode, reading everything from books to blog posts. And because social media can be such a valuable resource to gain insight, I also like to review a guest's Instagram account, looking at work they've posted, vacations they've taken, even food they like to eat. Sometimes that means scrolling through hundreds, if not thousands, of images. But my social media prep for Glenicia was quick. She only had 21 Instagram posts. 21! Since she's a young artist who's grown up in the age of social media, I couldn't help but wonder why she seems to shy away from it. I am not a social media fan. I wouldn't say I hate it, but I have made a conscious effort to not be on social media. After I graduated from college, I deleted all of my social media platforms for about six months. And I'm just now starting to get like kind of back to active. But for me personally, I found myself in a place of stagnation, literally waking up and getting on Facebook. And that was problematic for me. And I was like, I need to get off social media. And I think... I think a lot of people need to get off social media my age because it it creates like this this need to be something you're not, this need to compare yourself to others. I like people to, you know, have studio visits with me if they want to learn about my work, have a conversation with me. I don't want something to be a stand-in for myself. I feel like Right now, we're kind of in a society that promotes internalization. People can live in their houses and never have to leave because we live in a world that's so accessible where you can get everything to your doorstep. Like I would urge, you know, to get out and experience the world. I think that's also why the black experience is so taboo or 
not talked about because it's a lot of times up until like when people go to college that they start to get these other experiences but I beg parents to like think about how much you're exposing your kids to and like how diverse are their surroundings because we live in a world today where it's so important to maintain a diverse understanding of who's around you and an open hand and an open heart and an open mind. We hope you enjoyed this interview with artist Glenisha Johnson. Be sure to visit helloatelier.org where you'll find our pictures of Glenisha's studio and links to her work. Hello Atelier is produced by Fonicalia Media. If you love our show, you can support us on Patreon with a small donation that helps keep us sponsor-free. Or simply give us a rating on your favorite podcast app. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where you can live a little Hello Atelier every day.